brother, John chapter number 11 in your Bible tonight. I appreciate your pastor once again. Let me use this Benny Hinn microphone. I've been wanting to take up offerings all day long. Amen. And I praise God for the blessings of the Lord. Man, I love that choir music tonight. And I love the shouting tonight. Did I tell you I love the shouting tonight? Uh, I've been in our church 38 years, and we've not criticized by all that money we give to missions. We're not criticized in all the thousands of doors we knocked on. Uh, we don't get criticized too much for letting their pastor go off and preach a few revivals. But we get it on the shouting. Boy, I'm telling you, they... We get talked about. We get called every name in the book, but we're going to shout. We got something to shout about. That's exactly right. You, you, you hold your breath for me to tell one of God's youngers not to shout. You're going to die of a lack of air. I ain't a going there. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Everything had breath. Praise the Lord. My mama shouted when I was a kid. Mama still shouting. I wish my wife would get saved. She'd shout a little bit. But the Lord is good. Didn't you enjoy the Matthews family? And boy, that song about the grace of God. Brother, it's grace. Every pathos of God toward us is based in His grace. There's nothing about us worth loving or fooling with, but through the mercy of God and the grace of God. Whoop! He looked beyond my fault and saw my need. If I wasn't so fat and out of shape, I'd run to Charlotte and back. God is good. One of my heroes and one of my mentors was Mays Jackson. And boy, he loved old-time religion. And he was preaching up north one night, and this lady had heard him on the radio, and he, she came to this church. It was real quiet. And about halfway through Brother Mays' sermon, she said, Whoa! Praise the Lord. And an usher walked over there and said, You be quiet. She said, I can't help it. I got salvation. She that usher said, you didn't get it in here. <laughs> Brother Mays went on preaching for me. She said, whoo, glory to God. Two ushers come back. One got on one side, one got on the other, and they hauled that woman out of the church. And Brother Mays said, as she went through the door, she turned and she said, hallelujah, Brother Mays. Jesus went to town on one, and I'm a riding out on two. For you, for you blondes that didn't get that, Dr. Zorin will explain it at the end of the service. The Lord is good. Turn to somebody beside of you and say, hey, you need prayer. Amen. Thank you for having me. I am so honored that any pastor would ask me to come and stand where they've given their best and I count every pulpit a privilege and an honor. And I want to say this to you, church. Thank you for allowing your pastor to travel across this country and be a blessing.
to other churches. Whom the world would want a preacher that nobody would want to hear. Ain't that a blessing? And I thank you for sharing your preacher. God is good tonight. And I felt a shout coming on. And I'm not supposed to shout since I had my surgery. But you know, in the baseball, they have designated hitters. So when I feel a spell coming on, I'm going to point to you. You're my designated shouter. If I point twice, you're my designated runner. But if I do two, it's not to Barry, it's to you, buddy. God bless you. Because if Barry took a lap, we'd have to give him mouth to mouth, and I'm not into that tonight. John chapter number 11. Doug, good to see you, buddy. God bless you. Love you tonight. Good to have you in the house of the Lord. John chapter number 11. We'll be going to begin reading tonight in verse number 19. John chapter 11, verse 19. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she has heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. And then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But notice her faith. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And I'm glad tonight that God met the need of that little sister by the name of Martha. But there's somebody else in this little family that needs a touch from God, her sister by the name of Mary. And come down to verse number 32, and let's see how the Lord personally deals with her. Then when Mary was come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, you think they'd rehearse this? Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. I'm glad through his sympathy Jesus met the need of this little sister by the name of Mary. There's somebody else in the text tonight that needs a special touch from God, and that's their brother, Lazarus, who has been dead for four days. And notice how personally Jesus dealt with him. Look, if you will, in verse number 43. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with the grave clothes and his face bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, oh, I like this, loose him and let him go. I'm glad Lazarus got his miracle. He's not dead anymore. He has been resurrected from death unto life. But there's another group of people here that needs a miracle. They need something from God. By the way, tonight when Jesus sets the table, no one is left out. 
I enjoyed that so much, I'm going to say that again. When Jesus sets the table, no one has left out. You say, well, I'm a hyper-Calvinist. You may hyperventilate before this is over. When Jesus sets the table, nobody is left out. Amen. He tasted death for every man. I enjoyed that so much. Can I say it one more time? He died for you. He died for me. He died for my little grandbabies. And he died for yours too. Bless God, we ought to call recess and shout for 30 minutes. No one is left out when Jesus sets the table. And so notice what happens in verse number 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, say this with me tonight, believed on him. Even the unbelieving Jews received a touch from the master. Because when Jesus sets the table, no one is left out. I love, as I said last night, the miracles of Christ, how they flow through the gospel of John. You remember in chapter 2, that first miracle, when he turned the water into wine, the Holy Spirit makes a statement. And this was the beginning. It's as though the Holy Ghost is saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. And by the time you get to the end of John, there are no boundaries and borders or limits to what he can do. I mean, there's a man that's got a devil in him, but Jesus is Lord over the devils. There's a woman who is thirsty. Jesus is Lord over the thirsty. There's a woman caught in the very act of adultery, but Jesus is Lord over our sins. There a man, there's a man who is blind, but yet Jesus is Lord over the blind. There's a multitude that is hungry, but yet Jesus is Lord over the hungry. And as I preached last night, he even Lord over the seas because he walked upon the water. There are no boundaries and borders or limits to what he can do. And just when you think he's maxed it out, he'll do it again. Just when you think he's reached the apex of his power, he'll go beyond exceeding and above. Surely there must be a limit to this man's power. Surely there must be a limit to the authority of this man. And when you come to this text, it seems to be where they're going to say, this is it. Because here's a man in the text that's not sick. Here's a man in the text that's not hungry. Here's a man in the text that's not thirsty. Here's a man in the text that's not even afraid. He's dead. He's not just dead, but he's four days dead. He's not just dead, but according to his sister, he's stinking dead. 
and it seems like it's one thing to turn the water into wine and one thing to walk upon the water and one thing to turn the blind man into a seeing man, but this must be the border. This must be the limit because this man is four days graveyard stinking dead. Surprise, surprise, surprise. He walks out on the banks of their extremity and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Oh, you may be in this room tonight and you feel like your burden's too heavy for God, but it's not. You may feel like tonight your battle's too hot for God, but it's not. You may feel like your past is greater than God, but it's not. Whatever your need is, whatever your burden is, whatever your hang-up is, whatever your disappointment is, God is bigger than your problems. He's bigger than your fear. He's bigger than your past. He's bigger than your capabilities. God can do anything. Well, glory. And he proves it in this text. And what I call the three resurrections of John 11. The three resurrections of John 11. Resurrection number one is the most famous one in the text. It is the revelation of life for the dead. Lazarus is not sick. He is dead. Graveyard dead. In the tomb dead. Stinking dead dead. But Jesus goes to his grave and calls him by name. Lazarus, by the way, you'll never believe what the Hebrew word Lazarus means. It means the Lord is my helper. Did you know in the New Testament there are two different people by the name of Lazarus? And both of these are mentioned under the shroud of death. There was a beggar named Lazarus who sat at the gate of the rich man. But when he breathed his last breath on this life, he had a plain air ride to the bosom of the Father. And here's a man that is dead and four days dead and in the tomb dead. But when the Lord is your helper, whether it's here or there or in the air, death ain't no big deal. And he goes to that graveyard and with a loud voice he cries, the Lord is your helper. 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 Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead heard the voice of resurrection. And he arose and he walked out of that grave. I'm glad in the eyes of the Savior, death is no big deal. He's the resurrection and the life. I asked my dad one time, I said, Dad, why do you think he specifically said Lazarus? He said, Son, if Jesus would have just said come forth, every dead person in the world would have walked out of their graves. And he said, One day that is going to happen. 
He said, son, it's like this. He shouted at the grave of Lazarus and one man came out. He shouted at bloody Calvary and many of them came out. But one more time, he's going to descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and every child of God that pillared their dying head on the finished work of the cross is coming out of that ground. Hallelujah, we'll see our loved ones again. We'll see our mother again and our daddy again. I'm glad when the trumpet sounds, ain't no grave gonna hold our body down. He swept out the graveyard. He swept out the cemetery. Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Oh, death, where is thy sting? I'm glad he is the one that'll resurrect us from the graveyard. There's hope beyond the grave. Hallelujah. The resurrection of life for the dead. Paul said in this life only, if we had hope, we would not be miserable. We would be of all men most miserable. But I've come to tell you we may be without money. We may be without health. We may be without fame. We may be without political clout. But we are not without hope. Because our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. Our faith and our hope tonight is rooted and grounded in the one that said, I'm he that liveth, and I was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and made us kings and priests unto God his Father. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and the kindreds of the earth shall well because of him. I'm glad tonight the grave is not the end. I'm glad the cemetery is not the end. He's the first fruits of them that slept. My faith tonight is not in a dead Savior, but a living Savior. I want to say like my brother Job, in the midst of his malady. I know that my Redeemer liveth, and he shall stand up the other day upon the earth. And though the skin worms destroy my body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. I'm looking for that day when corruption puts on incorruption, and mortality puts on immortality. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Hallelujah! Eternal life! I live forever in the land of heaven where the shades of love lie deep. Well, glory. I see the resurrection of life for the dead. But I see another resurrection in this chapter. Not only I see the resurrection of life for the dead, I see the resurrection of hope and courage for the distressed. Can I tell you, you got more than a dead body in John 11. You have more than a brother dead in a tomb in John 11. You have two sisters that have served and worshiped and honored the Lord Jesus Christ. And their hope and their courage has withered and died in their heart just like their brother has died 
and he's in that grave. You say, well, do you have any scripture to prove that? What gave them the audacity to ever question Jesus Christ or literally accuse Jesus Christ to his face? If you, if you, Jesus, if you, it's almost sacrilegious to repeat it. If you, Rose of Sharon, Lily of the Valley, Sovereign God of Heaven, the Omnipotent One, the Omniscient One, the Faithful One, the Eternal One, the embodiment of the mercy and the peace and the grace and the love of God, if you had a been where you supposed to be, this would not have happened. Can I tell you tonight who Mary and Martha are? They're not strangers to Jesus. They're friends. They're not enemies to Jesus. They are champions of Jesus. While they have made a bed for him to sleep in, they have made a table for him to eat at, they have provided a home that he could stop by on his journey to refresh himself. They have served him well. They have worshiped at his feet. They've adored him. They've honored him. And they served him. But when they had an emergency, when they had a problem, they did the only thing they knew to do. Go ask him. Go tell him to come. Our brother is sick. Our brother's not doing well. Please, somebody go tell the master. His friend, the one he loves, and the one that loves him, is in trouble, and we need for him to come. And I want to tell you, Jesus didn't come that day. In fact, Jesus did not come the second day. In fact, Jesus did not come the third day. And I believe the reason why they had the audacity to ask and question and accuse Jesus, because in them three to four days, if the devil back then was like he is tonight, can you just imagine what he said to them two sisters? Why you served him, but it must be in vain. You've loved him, but it must be in vain. You've worshipped him, but it must be in vain. All those meals you cooked for him, all of those nights you gave him rest from the enemy. Evidently it doesn't pay. Why? He didn't even answer your prayer. He didn't even send word. He didn't even come himself. He let you down. He allowed this to happen. He must be mad at you. He must be angry with you. I've tried to tell you, serving the Lord is in vain. It doesn't pay to serve him. You've wasted your time. You've wasted your effort. He doesn't even love you enough to answer your prayer. He doesn't even love you enough to come when you need him. You say, do you believe the devil talks like that? Yeah, because I've heard that diabolical voice a couple of times myself. But I want to clear me off a piece of real estate, and I want to make me a testimony. If he never solves another problem, if he never saves another soul, if he never supplies another need, if he never drives another tear, he's still good. He's still holy. He's still sovereign. He's still right. He's still kind. He's still God because I don't worship him for what he does. I adore him for who he is. 
Can I get a witness in the church house? The devil is not just a liar. He's the daddy rabbit of all liars. Martha, you served. You cooked his supper. Mary, you washed his feet with your tears. And he don't even care enough to answer your prayer. He doesn't care enough to keep your brother from dying. He doesn't even love you enough to come to the funeral. He doesn't even think enough of you to even show up. I tried to tell you it was all in vain. Tried to tell you you've wasted your time. Where did serving God get you? Where did taking a stand get you? Where living the sanctified, dedicated life get you? It got you nowhere. Look, he's not here. Look, he's not here. He's had time to answer. He's had time to come. Look, he's not here. And boy, that old courage and that old faith, it's feverish. It's weak. It's about to lay dormant. And the devil's about to get their mind. He's about to kick him off into the very abyss of doubt and fear but just as he is all the time he's never late he's never a dollar short he's an on time God yes he is I said he's an on time God yes he is Hallelujah. He was conceived in the virgin on time. He was born in the manger on time. He was baptized in Jordan on time. He was full of the Holy Ghost on time. And he bled on time. And he died on time. And my God, he got up again on time. He's coming back again on time. He'll answer your prayer. He'll steal your storm. He'll meet your need. He'll walk on the troubled waters of your life. Right on time. God can do anything but fail. Did you hear that? God can do anything but fail. He's never failed. He's never failed. He's never failed. He's never been ugly. He's never been unkind. God's never done you wrong. He loves you too much. He bled for you. He died for you. He kept you from going to hell. He loves you tonight. Sean. The devil's about to kick him off into the abyss. But Jesus said, they're my children. They're my child. You can't have their soul. You can't have their faith. You can't have their hope. You can't have their courage. You can't have their soul. You can't have their mind. I'm coming. I'm here. They will not die. They will not despair. I will not give up on them. He's headed your way. Hallelujah. Glory. 
The stars will fall before God fails you. Heaven will be brass before God fails you. The clouds will turn black before God fails you. He will not fail. He's never failed. Jesus never fails. He's wonderful. He's the counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the everlasting Father, the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley, the Bride of the Morning Star, the Cornerstone of the Church, the Good Shepherd, the Way, the Truth, the Life. He will not fail you. Glory. He will not fail you tonight. I mean, their hope and their courage is dangling on the abyss of absolute despair. But here he comes. Right on time. And all Martha needs is a real quick visit from the king. Oh, I know he's dead. And I know I said a while ago if you'd have been here. But just you showing up. Something's about to change. It's breathing again. It's pumping again. It's rising up again. I know that even now. I know that even now. I know he's dead. I know he's dead. But even now, even now, I've come to tell somebody tonight, even now your faith can live. Even now your son can be saved. Even now God can put your family together. Even now, even now, even now. God have mercy. Even now, God can make it live again. That's all she needed. A quick visit from the king. And she said. Even now. Now, now Mary, she's a hard case. Even though they sisters, she has a little more fear and intimidation to overcome. Because she's loved him the most. She had chosen the good part. She'd embarrassed herself and for the religionists and had a spell at Jesus' feet. And she's so upset, she won't even go out there where he is. And she's sulking, moaning, groaning in her fear and in her tears. And finally, Martha runs in and says, He's here. And he's calling you by name. I come to tell somebody, you've been wondering where he's at? He come and told me to come here and tell you. He's calling your name. You're about to have a head-on collision with him tonight. God's here. God is here. God is faithful. God is kind. God is eternal. He's here calling your name. Boy, she couldn't turn that down. She's going out to meet him. 
And everybody said, we better go with her because she's already crying. She's going to that grave to weep some more. But she makes an abrupt turn. And instead of going to the tomb, she goes to the triumphant Savior. And says, get out of my way. I know where my place is. I've been there before. Get out of my way. I know where my place is. I've been there before. And she mires up at his feet. And she just pours it all out. Four days she stuffed it in. But now she's uncorked the bottle of tears. And she's telling him how she feels. And she's a weeping. And she's a weeping. And she's a weeping. And while she's there weeping, about that time she feels something hit the side of her face and it runs down her cheeks and she looks down and it's puddling up on her hands and she looks up and not only is she a crying but now he's a crying not only is she a weeping but he's a weeping Here's what happens. His tears got to mingling with her tears. And her tears got to mingling with his tears. And I'm going to tell you something tonight. When the master's tears go to mingling with your tears, your Lazarus is about to get up and have a shouting spell. Hope lives again. Courage lives again. Trust lives again. I want to tell you when Lazarus walked out of that grave, hope lives, courage lives, trust lives. It had died, but God's going to make it live again. Lord, have mercy. I preach to people every night of my life, their faith their hope, their trust, their shout, their joy, their happy, their hunger, their thirst, their Bible reading, their worship, their zeal to serve the Lord is feverish. It's got the chills. It's sick. And it's about to die because the devil's convinced you that the Lord doesn't love you. And he's done with you. And he's mad with you. And all your desire to read the Bible is about to die. Your desire to go to church is about to die. That shout in your soul is about to die. It's been a long time since you dipped your feet in the river of Holy Ghost living water because you're about to die. But I've come to tell you, he'll make your faith live again and your joy live again and your trust live again and your thirst live again and your shout live again and your worship live again hey he lives tonight he's alive tonight he loves you tonight he cares for you tonight and that which is in you that's withered and died God can make it live again God can make it live again I see the resurrection of life for the dead. Resurrection too. I see the resurrection of hope and courage for the distressed. But hang on. You ain't seen nothing yet. Resurrection number three. The greatest 
of them all. You said you've lost your mind. You come to hear me. Brother Joe, what could be greater than a dead man living again? What could be greater than them two little girls having their hope and confidence restored in Jesus? I'm glad you ask. There's more than a dead body in Bethany. There's more than dead hope and courage in in Bethany. There's a whole lot of them, more than one and more than two. In fact, just about the entire village is worse than Lazarus. You say, how do you get worse than four days dead? I'll tell you how. Dead in your trespasses and in sin. Spiritually dead. Eternally dead. Doomed and damned for hell. But oh, when Lazarus, my God, somebody help me right now. When Lazarus walked out of that grave, more than a dead body walked out, more than hope and courage walked out, a bunch of old sinners on their way to hell, faith walked out, salvation walked out, regeneration walked out. They were passed from death unto life. Those unbelieving Jews got saved, converted, born again. For God took their misery and gave them a ministry. A bunch of folks that didn't even believe Jesus was who he said he was. Watch what God did to them. And they said, I want him. Because you know what? If he's got enough to feed the 5,000, if he's got enough to walk on the water, if he's got enough to give sight to the blind, if he's got enough to comfort his children, if he's got enough to raise a man from the dead, he's got enough to forgive me and to free me and to give me a new lease on life and break the chains of sin. Hallelujah. I've had that resurrection. I've had that resurrection. He came by and I believed and I passed from death unto life. Now he lives in me. Hallelujah. Because of the cross I've had a resurrection. Martha, Mary, you too Lazarus. I know that was a rough ordeal that a sovereign God providentially allowed you to go through for his divine purposes. And I believe Martha and Mary and Lazarus would say, to see those people saved. Oh, I wish I wasn't fat. I want to run so bad I can't take it. Hallelujah. Hey! 
just to see those people saved, to know somebody got saved, watching God work in my life. If it leads somebody to Jesus, it's worth the pain. It's worth the fear. It's worth the disappointment. It's worth the trouble. If a bunch of people get saved, it's worth it all. Lord, have mercy. And in closing tonight, the very thing you think was the worst thing God ever let happen to you is probably going to lead thousands of people to Christ. Because you've done more than run your mouth, he's good. It's evident in your life. You done more than said, Woo! God is good in church. You've showed God is good in your life. Because He was God before your Bethany, He's God beneath your Bethany, and He's God beyond your Bethany. He's God before your disappointment, He's God beneath your disappointment, and He's God beyond your disappointment. He's God before your failure. He's God beneath your failure. And he'll be God on the other side of your failure. Your weeping soul. He was God before the tear. He's God beneath the tears. And he's God beyond the tears. He's God before the fight. He's God beneath the fight. He'll be God beyond the fight. He's God before the trial. He's God beneath the trial. And he's God beyond the trial. The resurrection of life from the dead. The resurrection of hope and courage for the distressed. And the resurrection of faith and salvation for the depraved. And all of this happens because there's no boundaries, borders, or limits to what he can do. While they're coming to the instruments, let me give you my parting shot. You know what comes after chapter 11? Chapter 12. Can I get an amen? But it's more than a number. You see, in chapter 12, you have a table. In chapter 12, you have supper. In chapter 12, you have a celebration. You see, chapter 11 is the tomb. Chapter 12 is the table. Chapter 11 is the sepulcher. Chapter 12 is the supper. Over in chapter number 11, they're crying. Chapter 12, they're celebrating. In chapter 11, weeping hath endured for a night. But in chapter 12, joy had come in the morning. And tonight, you're camping over here in chapter number 11. But somebody's about to tap you on the shoulder and take you by the hand and take you to chapter 12 and tell you that Jesus has a table spread. 
I ain't done this in 20 years. Can I hack just one time? Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed and he invites his chosen people come and dine. Come on to the table tonight. Fall at his feet tonight. Worship him tonight. Pour your heart out to him tonight. He can make it live again. He can turn your tomb into a table tonight. He's God. He will not fail. People are coming from all over the building. Let's stand together. You sing. Pastor, service is yours, son.